Hello, Michelle here. There's something I need you to know about. It's called Australian True Crime Plus. For just a couple of dollars a month, you can get extra episodes, including Ask Us Anythings with Emily and I, early access to our weekly episodes, shout outs and the complete back catalogue and all of it ad free. You can become an Australian True Crime Plus member by hitting the link in the show notes or on our Facebook page. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavour. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The producers of this podcast recognise the traditional owners of the land on which it's recorded. They pay respect to the Aboriginal elders past, present and those emerging. The following podcast contains content of a graphic, violent nature and is not suitable for children. The information we've received is a little sketchy, but this is what we can tell you that the Customs Department has made the biggest ever haul of hashish in Australian history. Now, we understand that 1.9 tonnes, and that's an awful lot of hash, has been found in a camper van, a Mercedes-Benz camper van, which is at present in the possession of the Customs Department at their marine centre in Neutral Bay. They're stories that get under the skin of people, especially journalists. And this story you're going to hear about is unbelievable. And most of us have probably never heard about it. I know I hadn't. Enter author Sandy Logan, a former journalist and diplomat who followed this case of two older American women, Vera Toddy Hayes and Florice Beasy Bessire, who were arrested in Australia in the 1970s 
for having almost two tonnes of hashish concealed in a camper van. That's not personal use amounts, listeners. It's a wild and scandalous story, as you'll discover. But first, Sandy tells us about how we came across this extraordinary case. I was a journalist for for 10 years, and as part of those 10 years, I spent a couple of years on the police desk in Toronto, in my hometown in Canada. And I was on a late shift one night in early 78, and, and on the late shift, I finished at 1 a.m. And, and one of the jobs was to check the wires and go over to the telex and pull it up and see if, you know, the Pope been shot or the president's dead huh? or, 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 you know, some late break. If there's late breaking news, we had to we had to change page one. So one night I or early morning, I happened to see a story about two elderly American women arrested in Sydney. This was the end of January, 78. And uh, the fact that they had with them 1.9 tons of hashish, wow. clearly not for personal use, uh, attracted my interest. And I thought, wow, what a, what a story this must be. And, and I ripped off the telex, took that, stuffed it in my, my shirt pocket, and didn't think much more of it until 10 months later, the end of 78, near the end of 78, I returned to Australia, resumed working as a journalist back in Australia. And I thought, geez, I ought to see... Whatever happened to that story? Sandy, so the women, Toddy and Floris, Floris, is it Floris? Beezy, yeah, Beezy was her nickname. Yep. So Vera and Floris, Toddy, Toddy and Beezy, they are going on, your book says, a trip of a lifetime. They're travelling from Germany to India in a camper van, but how do they end up in Australia? The, the, the title of the book, Betrayed, pretty much gives a sense for what's occurred. And so to get from Germany to what was then Bombay, now Mumbai, they were duped by Toddy, Vera's nephew, to deliver a camper van that he needed allegedly for a production company, a documentary he was making in the outback. And he had set the seed. He had started grooming them towards this outcome a year before they even left. They've never been overseas in their lives before. Mm. And they get through nine countries by the time they're, they get to Mumbai, to Bombay. And it's at that point, the arrangement was all expenses paid, trip of a lifetime, overseas holiday like you're never, ever going to imagine. They get to Mumbai and they're done. They're shot. They're, like yeah. Toddy is physically a wreck. And the nephew, Vern Todd, the nephew gets an associate to essentially put a gun to their <gasps> head. No. Figuratively. Yeah. Figuratively. No, but, but, but they're threatening by that stage. It's no they're, longer. Oh, they're threatening. Oh. They're, they're, they're holding them to account. They're, they're, you, you will regret this for the rest of your life. You don't oh. know how big this is. Hang on. What's, what's going on? We were just driving a camper van for your documentary. What do you mean? And he says, you need to go to Melbourne because the carnet, which is the, the customs document that all film companies, people driving cars across borders need to sign, and it's affixed within a passport. But it's a document that essentially says, I have come into this country with this asset. I have not disposed of it. So you have to show you've driven the car into the country and you've driven it out. So the carnet was in Vera's name. The nephew had very craftily set it up at the start of the trip to get her to take the registration in her name, the carnet in her name, the insurance in her name. So anyway, he threatened an associate of the, of, of the nephew whom they don't know is in fact a drug kingpin mm. and says, you've got to go to Australia and take delivery. Once you take delivery of the van, you're done. You can go home. 
Well, of course, that didn't happen. Mm. They fly to Australia. And so the nephew arranges for the shipment of the van while they're flying to Sydney, where ostensibly they're going to take delivery of the vehicle off a ship. He arranges shipment of it from Bombay to Sydney. Uh, they, they, they remain in situ in Sydney having a lovely little break. And they think after all, well, gee, this is not too bad. They, they, they tour the city. They go to the tennis. They're writing postcards home. They're saying to their friends, look, we're having an unexpected holiday now in Australia. And they're actually really enjoying it. But it's when the real Vern shows, it's when, when he shows his true colors is, is in Sydney and things really start to fall apart. And for Vera, or for Toddy, as we, we called her, for Vera, it was a real deep hurt because to her family and kin was just the, the best, just so important. She came from a family of five and, and her nephew, Vern, he was the first baby in the family. She left war service in, in uh, Midwest United States during the Second World War to come back to LA to visit her brother who, who'd, who'd had, they'd had their first child. And she, she doted oh. on Vern. And to have him turn on her, oh. to betray her like this, they have no idea that customs and narcotics uh, intelligence analysts have been monitoring Vern for quite some time. And they are looking for just this sort of vehicle oh. to come into the country. And there were listening devices in the van. There were tracking devices. There were helicopters in the... I mean, this was a brilliant operation. It was called Operation Genius. Wow. <laughs> because this was going to be, as I suggested earlier, the mother load if they could get to it, because they were expecting, get this, they were expecting to pull out, because they'd done drill samples under the van on board the ship before it was offloaded. And they each drill bit they pulled out, oh, the entire length of the floor of the van. They thought there must be 60 or 80 oh. kilograms <gasps> in, this, in this camper van. It's like my worst nightmare, this happening to me. I saw Bangkok Hilton with yes. Nicole Kidman, terrified yes. me, but... Yes. Two older women with a van. It's, it's like the most amazing story. I can tell why you pulled that telex off and was like, wow. By the time you got back to Australia 10 months later or something, it wasn't that long, had they been to court yet? Were, were yeah, they, so they, yeah. they, they'd been to court. They'd been sentenced. Oh, um, without, without, it was quick. It was a fairly quick from, from the moment of arrest at the end of January to, to sentencing in, in April. Oh gosh! It was, it was a fairly brief time, but without without spoiling too much yeah. for the readers, um, th they did plead guilty. Oh, they did please. plead guilty, and that 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 then leads to the further perception, if not the reality, that they were betrayed, because most most people up on a charge of importing one point nine tons of hashish <laughs> would probably try to, you know, explain their their position with a not guilty plea, like. Especially in their case, the advice they got from their public defender, <laughs> oh. plead guilty, no, 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 no. They, they had a really good relationship with the narcotics agents who busted them. Oh. They cooperated. But in the end, they, they had the book thrown at them. Man. They had they, an unprecedented sentence of 14 years jail wow. with nothing on the bottom. Oh, no no non-parole period. The head sentence was the sentence. And, and the women, 
they were they were lambs to the slaughter. They'd never been they, like they'd had six speeding tickets between them in sixty years. So they had no idea about the system, mm. and so in the end, they had the book thrown at them. After the break, Sandy tells us about what life was like in prison for these most unlikely inmates. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Now here's Sandy to tell us about Toddy and Beezy's life behind bars. Uh, initially at Malawa, that's a tough prison. It is now and it was then in the, in, the, in the late 70s. And they could not believe what they were experiencing. They could not believe what prisoners inside, you know, got up to and the violence and the threats. And they had since, they had by then been moved. This was, this was now, so I tracked, returned late 78. By 79, I've tracked them down. I go and visit them and they're now up at a new, it's almost like a prison farm in a small community called Tomago. And it's a, a farm out in the middle of nowhere. And it's just beautiful. You don't see any buildings. You see the bush, you see in fact, they didn't even lock the front gate. It, it was covered with mesh, not razor wire, nothing like that. These were all trusted prisoners. And they said, you know, it, it, it was probably really good for their mental health mm-hmm. to be in a prison like that because it wasn't like being in prison, but it was. 
And what was the rest of the family doing, by the way? Like, how did everyone else sit? Because that's happened. So her best friend, Beezy, is in this situation because of her nephew and because of her love and trust in her nephew. And, you know, what What about his parents? What are they doing and saying about so, it? And this is, this is the second part about how were they going in prison. Yeah. Toddy's two sisters were just wonderful. They regularly wrote. They would try and phone occasionally. They did lots of cassette tape letters in those days. Whereas her two brothers, one of whom was the father of the nephew who betrayed them, they basically had nothing to do with the women. One of them had the gall to say, well, that'll teach you. (gasps) No. Not in as many words, but that was essentially his attitude. And And the brother who was the father, who was also, the brother was named Vernon. Toddy felt so bad about what her brother's son had done that she she couldn't bring herself to confront him in a letter. She wrote to him a couple of times and he wrote a couple of times. But the pain that it caused her, she didn't want to inflict on others by saying, look at what your son has done to me and to my friend. It, It just, it tore her apart so much. So... They didn't have the family support while they were in jail. So how did they go? They struggled because they didn't have that. But Beezy was the rock that kept Toddy sane, sometimes got her down off the the, the cliff, got got her down off the edge, Mm. and supported her all the way through. And, for example, the, the superintendent who was in charge of the final prison, the acting superintendent, still alive today, and I've spoken to her in, in writing the book. She says, unquestionably, if it were not for Beezy, Toddy would not have lasted uh, her, her period of incarceration. What can you tell us about that post-prison time in their lives when they, I guess, both went back to the States and what was waiting for them there? So by the time they did get out of jail, and they, and they didn't do the whole time, but they, they did significant period of jail time and got back to the United States. Times had changed. Society had moved on. Lapine, the small community from which they came, was no longer a small community. It had doubled, almost tripled in size. And I realized I flew back to join them, to help them resettle, drive a, a U-Haul van from where their goods were stored, settled them into their, their home, took them to get Toddy needed to get her driver's license, that sort of thing. I realized that as much as they valued all that had been done for them, as much as they valued their freedom now, in order for them to move on, we needed to cut the umbilical cord. I reminded them of Australia. I reminded them of their prison time. I reminded them of their struggle. I reminded them of the betrayal that they'd been through on so many levels. They were going to write a book. They were going to tell their story. And they said, no, we, we just hear. And they handed me their diaries. They handed me their audio cassette tapes. They handed me their photos, cards, letters. They said, we don't want to be reminded of this any longer here. So that was, that was one big step for them once they got out of jail. And the other part was that their relationship remained strong, but some of the townsfolk never quite accepted them again. Yeah. Some of the locals weren't quite sure about them and, and their, their relationship and the basis for it then became a bit of tongue wagging 
fair in the community. And they didn't, sadly, they didn't stick around Lapine much longer. I hate to ask this question, but when when did they pass away and what was what, what, what were the end of their days like? Well, Toddy, Toddy only lived a couple of years after freedom. Oh, okay. Uh, she, and, and BZ was by her side. Yeah, of course. Once uh, Toddy had passed, BZ relocated back up to um, uh, Washington State on the West Coast where her sister and brother-in-law lived. Mm. And uh, that's where she she lived her final days, no. and and uh, she 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 passed in the in the mid '90s. So she at least did um, you know have some some years of good health. And I I in fact saw her. Well, the whole family did. The kids met her, and and you know they they now all these years later saying, oh, that's who that was. <laughs> Look, even though uh, I said that that one of the the things that they needed was to cut the umbilical cord, you know, the figurative umbilical cord with me uh, once they got their freedom. We still kept in touch. We still wrote. We, 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 you know, we did Christmas cards. We'd occasionally be in touch. And to this day, I'm still in touch with many members of Beezy's offspring, like her sisters, her, her sisters and brothers offspring, yeah. and Toddy's. Less so with Toddy's because the one mystery out of the book that that your listeners will 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 ponder over is Vern Todd the nephew was married in Australia and had two sons he fled Australia and abandoned them whatever happened to them how old would they be kids are in their 40s maybe even 50s now early 50s and the wife whom he i think eventually divorced none of them will speak to me. They're all still alive. They're all, I think, aware that the book is coming out because I approached Vern's ex-wife back in, in the 80s, in 83, 84, when I first had a crack at this manuscript. And then I approached her again when um, I had another crack at it. She didn't, uh, she didn't want to talk. She didn't want to talk at all. So I, I respect that. Um, and and, and I, I understand why. But that's a, that's a bit of a mystery. You you include some interesting little tidbits about Vern and and it's uh there's lots of great reasons for you to read this book because we have not scratched the surface. So thank you so much, thank Sandy. You, Sandy. It's a, really a powerhouse. This book yeah. of research and and perseverance. It's yes. like the story of a lifetime. This and is what every journalist dreams of. And dedication to these two beautiful ladies. Wonderful. Yeah. Look, we learned something. We learned about other people. There's beautiful people in prison, and I don't care what anybody says. I've seen beautiful people in prison. Some of them I prefer to a lot of people on the outside that think they're just so sanctimonious. We've seen beautiful women. No way am I ever... I'm not sorry. I learned something. Thanks to our guest, Sandy Logan. His book, Betrayed, is published by Hachette. Grab a copy. It's an extraordinary read. And thank you for downloading this episode of Australian True Crime, recorded at a Hub Australia media studio, hubaustralia.com. Find the workspace that's right for you. This has been another Smartfella production in conjunction with the Acast Creator Network. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. As promised, I am thrilled to announce that our tickets for Australian True Crime Live are now available. Join me in Sydney, Brisbane and or Melbourne this July. You can come to all three if you want. These tickets are expected to go very quickly, so be sure to secure yours by visiting the link in our podcast bio or you can head over to the Australian True Crime Facebook page. There'll be a nice link there for you. Update for Brisbane Australian True Crime fans. Brisbane is almost fully sold out for our live show. If you've been a listener for any length of time, you'll know how passionate I am about true crime stories from Australia. I'm looking very forward to an incredible evening together with you, sharing these captivating tales. We will have great guests as well, so, you know, we love a Q&A. If you've ever come along to an Australian true crime live gig, you'll know we love a Q&A with our guests. Don't miss out. Book your tickets today, and I'll see you in July for a memorable night out.